Hello, and welcome to Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. This podcast series tackles topics geared towards young and beginning producers. Each episode, we invite farm credit and ag industry experts to share their insights on financial management, business outlooks, transition planning, and more. In this episode, we're recapping key takeaways from our Applying for a Yes webinar, presented by Justin Scepter and Jared Regeer. Join us as Justin and Jared take us behind the scenes on how loan decisions are made and how young and beginning producers can best prepare for a successful loan application. My name is Justin Scepter. I'm Regional Vice President of Business Development in Southeast Iowa. My family and I live just southeast of Des Moines, uh, just about 15 miles, and uh, I've been in the lending business for about 20 years, been on all sides of it, uh, lending officer side where we help producers uh, apply for loans and, and get uh, loan applications through. I've been on the underwriting side and on the uh, loan application side as well. I've, I've applied for loans as well. So have a have a good background in all facets of, of lending. Jared, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'd love to. Thanks, Justin. Uh, my name is Jared Regeer. I lead the Southwest Reach Out Credit Underwriting Team here in Omaha. We decision loans in most of Nebraska, all of Wyoming, and the eastern third of Kansas. Uh, I've been with a company for almost a little over 19 years now, again, in various roles, uh, financial officer, credit analyst, and now I lead the, uh, one of our underwriting teams. I grew up in a primarily corn and soybeans irrigated farm in east central Nebraska, University of Nebraska graduate. It's been a pleasure working here at Farm Practice Service America and serving our producers for all these years. So. Justin, today we're talking about applying for a yes. Uh, would you mind kicking it off and kind of sharing with us why we chose this topic? Sure, Jared, I'm happy to. You know, as uh, officers that work in the field and people that work with our customers every day, you know, it's often a point of frustration where people are have a goal in mind and, and are looking to expand their operation or do something really neat to grow their business. And, you know, there's always a point of frustration of understanding what is it that lenders look at and what are the things that they need? And so the goal of the time that we have is to be able to help you understand what does it look like? uh, What are the things that a lender looks at? And how do I increase my chances of getting a yes on my loan application? So to start, I think I just would like to discuss a few, you know, ground level things. I think just to kind of level set some expectations or just level set some ideas of what a lender looks at. You know, Farm Credit Services of America, Jared and I represent two different teams of people that help our customers with their loans. So I represent the, the lending officers who work with customers and and our borrowers to try to figure out how do we meet their needs and use our tools to to be able to help them uh, grow their business. Jared helps me with the analysis of the loan requests and just represents that extra set of eyes to help us make sure that we're giving the best products and the best advice that we can give. As you think about borrowing for a loan, there's really two different types of loans and, and they have different expectations and different ways and processes that we go about it. And at a high level, I'll just talk a little bit about, you know, consumer loans versus business loans. A consumer loan, I think most of the time we think of as like a house loan. If many of you have applied for a house loan, you know that what the lender is going to do in that situation is they're going to look at the amount of income that you have. You're going to talk about your gross income and what you have available to, to make your payments. The lender is going to look at your debt obligation and then what you would have left over in order to make a house payment. Those are really pretty simple underwriting decisions because a house, generally speaking, is not an income producing asset. So it's, you know, all the incomes comes from your wage or or the things that you have going on in your personal life. 
A business loan, which is what we do at Farm Credit Services of America, is a little bit in Frontier Farm Credit, it's a little different in that we're typically dealing with income producing assets. And so it's a little more complex as we try to analyze and assess the uh, amount of income that that asset will contribute to be able to help with the debt obligation. And if you think about it, uh, you know, if you're looking at buying 80 acres, 80 acres that's 100% tillable has a much different income stream than 80 acres that uh, maybe has 45 acres of tillable ground and 20 acres of pasture, and then the balance is relatively. So, so there's a different complexity that it comes that goes along with each one of our assets. You know, as you think about, man, I'm just gonna I'm gonna buy this farm, or I'm gonna go out and and buy these cows, and I just need to get a quick loan, and it'll be super easy to do that. The reality that many people feel is that it, it's much more complex than that because as a lender, uh, we have lots of questions and understanding and things that that we want to make sure that we're setting this loan up in, in the right way. And so what we're here to do today is to help bridge the gap. You know, as I think about the things that we do as a, a lending officer, it really reflect back to, I, I always kind of think of this as a story problem. Uh, when I was in school, math was one of my favorite subjects in school. And I think about, you know, the math problem, the story problem. And, and a lot of times that's what we look at. And, you know, one of the most famous math problems we've all, probably all gone through in, in our student days is, you know, we have two trains that leave at different stations at the same time, traveling at 70 miles an hour. The distance between those two stations is 280 miles. And so the question is, when do the trains meet? And the answer is really simple, right? It's they meet at two hours at the 140 mile marker. It's, it's really a simple question. But we all know that it's not just as simple as that. There's other variables that come into play in, in the real world. One locomotive might be a little older than the others and can't maintain 70 miles an hour running up and down the hills. And so the average speed for that locomotive is 64 miles an hour. Maybe one of them needs to stop for fuel and fill up because the fuel tanks aren't big enough and they, they need to spend 15 minutes filling it for fuel. And so that's a variable that we need to take into account. And maybe, you know, both trains don't start at 70 miles an hour. You know, they start at zero and they work their way up to 70 miles an hour. And there's a point in time where, you know, it, it takes some of them longer to get up to speed. And so all of those variables change the answer to that story problem. And as you think about that and reflect that into the work that we do in the lending world, it can be very similar. A lot of times I get people that will come in and say, Justin, I'd like to buy 50 cows and I need a loan to buy 50 cows. And it makes really good sense because they'll sell their calves at weaning and we'll use whatever income that we have from selling those calves at weaning to be able to service the debt over the term of that loan. And that's a really simple way to look at it. But the reality of it is many times it's much more complex than that. You know, the follow-up thing is usually, well, I've got a two-wheel drive tractor and I really like to have a front-wheel assist tractor to be able to take care of hand cows in the wintertime and in the spring when it's muddy. So I, I need to buy a tractor and I don't quite have enough hay ground to get me through the year. So I'm gonna have to buy some. And maybe I need a line of credit to help me get through uh, buying that hay. And well, by the way, there's some fence work that needs to be done. And oh yeah, I need a bull. These cows aren't going to breed themselves. So I need a bull. And, you know, I want to grow my herd and I'd like to, instead of having 50 cows, I'd really like to have a hundred cows. And it makes a difference if you'd like to grow that herd in three years from 50 to hundred or in 10 years. And so all of those variables and all of those things really come into play. When we think about what a loan application looks like and for what seems like a very simple, I'd like to buy 50 cows can turn into something much more complex. You know, as you think about what you can do to prepare and the things that you can do to prepare for your meeting, having those things outlined and, and being able to articulate your vision and the things that you really want to do with your operation is really critical. 
some of the tools that we can use to be able to help facilitate some of those needs. Obviously, when we talked about the cows, we can facilitate helping out with maybe a line of credit to help out with some of those operational needs. We can help with an amortization. You know, amortization is a tool that will stretch out that debt a little bit longer and make those payments a little smaller. Obviously, interest rates, you know, whether we lock those in or put some on a variable term or putting those together can help manage the risk. And lastly, you know, we've got loan programs and things that we can use on, from that standpoint, like our development fund loan that can be able to help people manage their debt obligations and the things that they're looking at. So the point that I'd like to make is make sure before you go apply for a loan that you think through the, the things that you're wanting and you've got that planning ahead. So as you think about takeaways, things that we can do here in the application part, come prepared with complete and accurate information uh, is the biggest thing and and think through what it is that you're wanting. Don't leave anything out, either intentionally or unintentionally. You know, sometimes it's, it's easier to say, well, they don't need to know all of that information. The reality of it is the more transparent you are, the better. The more prepared you are, the better, because that way we can make sure that we structure things so there's no surprises either on our end or on your end after you get the loan closed. And as you prepare for that meeting, the things to have ready are balance sheets. Our standard is we like to have at least three years of balance sheets. And if you don't have any historic, that's fine. But if you've got historic balance sheets, we'd like to have three of them. Tax returns or income statements, cash flow projections, and lastly, a business plan for how you're going to achieve your goals and and just being able to paint that picture so that we can help mix up our products to be able to help you. Jared, I'm going to ask you to maybe tell us a little bit about how all of these financial statements play into the decision-making process. Thanks, Justin. So today, I just want to visit with you a little bit about what we look at from an underwriting perspective as we consider loan requests. It can be kind of a little bit behind the scenes and understanding basically how we make the sausage, all right? So I hope this understanding gives you a general sense and some perspective, helps you prepare for making that application. And in the end, ultimately getting yes, so that we can approve the request and get you the money that you're asking for so that you can grow your operation or buy land or whatever your goals may be. So I wanna start out with the big three financial statements that we consider. Just a quick refresher, okay? The balance sheet, basically it's that list of assets and liabilities. I term it up, it's what you own versus what you owe on those assets. So some of those assets may be, you know, cash you have in your checking account, your inventories, whether it's crop or market livestock, breeding livestock, machinery, equipment, vehicles, real estate. Those would be those assets on the left side of the balance sheet, those items that you own. On the right side is the less fun side to talk about, and that's the liabilities. So your line of credit balance, your accounts payable if you owe anyone any money, your ITL debt on any machinery, equipment, or cows, and real estate debt. That's the liability side. What a balance sheet really is, it's basically an assessment of your capital position uh, at a snapshot in time. So what I like to say is kind of like going to the doctor, all right? You go to the doctor, get your annual physical, and it's a checkup. And they look at all your numbers and everything, and that's basically your your health condition at this time. Well, a balance sheet is your condition of your capital position. So what that balance sheet does, we look at you know your net worth, which is your assets minus your liabilities equals your net worth. That net worth, I like to phrase it as, what are you worth on the cents on the dollar? If your net worth is basically 65 cents on the dollar, you own that free and clear. A lender on the other side owes 35 cents on the dollar. 
So something to keep in mind is you monitor your leverage and think about, okay, how much leverage do I have? Where are my payments? And that all ties into your cash flow and your income statements. Working capital, that's your liquidity. I call it your, your rainy day fund if things don't go as planned. You've got that liquid, either inventory, cash, et cetera, that if things don't go as planned and I need to dip into the well to maybe help offset some expense or a payment, I've got that liquidity to do so. As Justin alluded to, you know, one year's balance sheet is a place to start. Ideally, we'd love to see three or four years balance sheet so we can build that trend of financial information to really track and see what the progress has been over years. It's a really good habit to get into is to put together that balance sheet, try to make it as accurate and complete as possible, and then do it at like times throughout the year. If you get it on a habit of doing it in December or January, stick to that because especially for our cash paying producers, a balance sheet in the summertime is really difficult to diagnose and see because you've got the crop growing in the field, you've got numerous expenses in it, but we're not quite sure how the year is going to finish, what yields are going to be, et cetera. So try to stick to a, a normal time of gathering that balance sheet. Moving on to the income statement. Basically, profit or loss, or in some cases, your tax return shows what your annual income statement is. I define it as revenue and expenses over a period of time, basically determine what that net income is or margin in your operation that's available ultimately to service your debt. Your income statement is you know, revenues minus expenses. Don't forget to include in there your family living costs because those are all come out of your operation or net family living costs if you have non-farm income to service some of that. But it's your actual cash income statement for the year, all right? It's what you've accomplished. It's not a projection yet. This is, we're looking past. Keep that in mind. We want to track that to see what the profitability has been over time. Tax returns can be misleading. I'm assuming most of us like to minimize our tax liability if possible. So if that's the case, if you're moving expenses from year to year or if you're holding over grain, it may not be a true representation of what the cash profitability is of your operation. So you have to keep those adjustments per se in mind. If you've got grain that you're carrying over, well, your inventory should be going up and it could be skewing what your tax returns are showing. So your income statement is your historical income statement. Basically, it's a measure of profit and loss over time. Moving on to the projected cash flow, it's a really great tool for you in making management decisions. So we like to look at a projected cash flow on an annualized basis, more or less a budget for your operation. What is it gonna do in one year? If you're gonna sell uh, the inventories that you raise in that calendar year and what the expenses are gonna be and what's left over then is your profit. Like I said, it's, it's a really powerful management tool helps you determine your cost of production or break-evens, which then allows you to consider your marketing decisions. By knowing that cost of production or break-even, you can establish targets and then sell accordingly, hopefully uh, locking in profits along the way. It's another valuable tool for making decisions on whether to expand or not. In cases where you may want to take and rent that next farm out, well, let's put it through a, a projection to see, okay, what can I afford to pay on cash rent? What are my target marketing objectives to see, is this the right decision for my operation? Or maybe you're a rancher and you want to retain some heifers to build your herd. Well, can I do that and manage the expenses and make my demands each year? Again, another valuable tool. Or buy a farm. Do you have the, the cash down payment available to where you can put down on that farm? And then as the debt service on the new purchase, can we service that? Again, a cash flow is going to be really valuable in determining that. 
there's a relationship between each one of these and they all interact and work together. You know, you might consider changes to your balance sheet. How does that impact your income statement, your predicted cash flow? Well, and maybe as your debt balances go up or as your payments change from debt rolling off or capital expansion, that's going to impact your income statement as well as your projected cash flow. Something to keep in mind. How does your income statement or projected cash flow impact your balance sheet? Well, if your income isn't quite what you thought it was going to be, or chances are your expenses are different, or maybe your income was substantially more than what you thought, that profitability or loss is going to impact your balance sheet and your balance sheet trend accordingly. If you could kind of picture it in your mind, if you had two bookend balance sheets, that historical income statement basically tells you as an operator what's transpired over the year to get from point A to point B. So something to consider as you move forward in gathering financials and preparing for conversations with your lender. These are the primary three that we focus on and really are valuable tools in helping manage your decision and ultimately trying to get that yes from your lender. Now that Justin and Jared have talked about how to prepare for a loan application and the documents needed, Jared is going to dive into the five C's of credit and how they play into decisions. Character, capital, capacity, collateral, and conditions. As a lender, we consider each one of these C's in our loan decisions. What I will say is, you know, credit isn't black and white. No two operations are the same. No two requests are the same. There's many different variables that play into a credit decision. What we try to do is we weigh the strengths versus the weaknesses so that we can hopefully come to an agreement on approving the request and mitigating our risks. Uh, I was going to go through each one of these and kind of give you some considerations for each character. Basically, a lender will look at the borrower's repayment history and standing in the localized community. So this for you is tell your story. Tell your, your financial officer your story, what you're involved in, what your history's been. Uh, we're going to look at you know your repayment history from your credit bureau scores and to see are you paying your bills on time uh, are you doing what you say you're going to do so keep that in consideration to tell your story to your lender so they know about your operation and your history what is your management ability how close attention are you paying to your your financial acumen and your business management what are you preparing for records uh, how are you analyzing making decisions okay are you putting things down on paper to really get a feel for which direction you need to go it kind of goes back to a little bit that cost production knowledge or that marketing objectives we really want to get a feel for what your management ability is as we move forward as your partner next one is capital basically your net worth or risk bearing ability it's that worth or those assets available to repay debt in the event that maybe the cash flow doesn't work out as planned so we look at capital in two ways. Working capital, as I mentioned before, liquidity, that's your short-term risk-bearing ability. What do I have for short-term assets to service my short-term needs? And then the next one is long-term equity. So that equity in the bottom half of the balance sheet, your equity and your machinery, your equipment, vehicles, cows, land, that's your long-term rainy day fund. If things don't go as planned and we're short from liquidity, these are equity we can tap into from a short-term basis if need be to margin your operation and move forward. The next C is capacity. And this is our bread and butter standard. This is truly where we like to hang our hat is on capacity. Your borrower's ability to repay the loan based on current income and debt. We spent a lot of time diagnosing cash flows and looking at 
what does it look like from a general income and expense? And is there sufficient margin to repay that debt? Because we don't want to depend upon your long-term assets or your collateral to repay these loans. We really want to focus on capacity, see that just through operations, you're going to generate profits to service your debt. Next one, collateral, assets being pledged to secure the loan. Basically, what we take to secure the indebtedness we have. We have a few instruments that we use to secure those assets. First being a security agreement where we secure chattels. That would be your crops, your livestock, and your machinery. And then the next instrument would be a real estate mortgage or deed of trust where we take a, a lien on your land. Again, this makes us feel comfortable if things don't work to plan, but it's truly the last thing that we want to be dependent upon when financing an operation. We don't want to have to see that there's assets to be, need to be sold to pay the debt. We'd much rather see that through capacity and earnings and profitability that you can be successful and pay that debt as you go over time. The last and final C is conditions. And those are loan covenants placed on a loan to mitigate a lender's risk. Best example I have of that is insurance. In many cases, we require crop insurance to protect against weather damage and loss. Uh, to protect against that margin, you're laying out a ton of cash and, and expenses each year to raise that crop. Well, we want to make sure that that crop stays insured. So unfortunately, if a weather-related event hits, you're being compensated for that crop and can repay those expenses. So these are the five C's that we use in our underwriting process. There's a lot of variables that go in into underwriting a request. And like I said, not all two requests are going to be the same. We're going to weigh each of them differently. And two, just because a request comes in, we may look for different options depending upon what the information is showing us. Look for options of how we could best structure the debt to minimize payments, to help with the cash flow. We're going to look to see, you know, if there's options available for changing your operation, I guess, and helping your cash flow. So basically, ultimately, we want to fulfill your needs and mitigate our risk as a lender. We're going to balance all of these. I hope this information today is kind of giving you a sense of what we look for as you put together your information and prepare for a loan. In these five C's, you're not going to hit all the boxes. As a lender, we don't just go through a spreadsheet and check boxes and say, yep, we're going to do this deal. There's many cases where we have to find the compensating strength to offset the weakness. So for example, some of our younger producers, egg start producers, we, we use as, as terminology, Frankly, they haven't been in business long enough to really generate a large capital position and have a ton of working capital. And that's okay. What we're going to look at in, in those examples is the capacity of the operation and the character of, of the operation and say, okay, do they have the skills and the management ability? And have they done their homework on their cash flow that they can be profitable? And in a sense, we don't need to rely on capital position near as much. There's a couple of questions that have come in that I might just kind of raise while you're here. Good discussion points when it comes to the five C's. So you talked a little bit in character about credit score. So what if your credit score is less than great? Is there any way to overcome that in an application? Yes, there is. And it goes back a little bit to telling your story. If there are some extenuating circumstances that cause that to happen, share that with your lender. We all make mistakes and the chances are that we can look past that if you're holding yourself accountable and got a plan for the future. Another thing is if there could be instances of misreporting. 
And if that's the case, we'll share with you a, an agency call and a phone number call. And maybe there's a chance that you could get some of those uh, reportings corrected or changed, which will, in essence, help you pay the score. What happens if I hear no? Or what happens if my loan doesn't get approved? I don't, I don't get a yes. I think that's a really good question. I'll just share a, a couple of thoughts on that. From a lender standpoint, I can tell you that you know we do everything we can to find a way to say yes. If there's not a yes that's possible with the application as it's been presented to us, I usually try to do everything I can to, to give ideas and thoughts, give an explanation of why we're not able to do what we want to do. A lot of times when that no hits, uh, it doesn't feel very good. And sometimes we can get a little kind of rejected or emotional about it. But, you know, if you can take the time to understand, you know, what is it that, a, that the lender is looking at and, and why do they feel that way? It's really important. I'll just share a, a personal story. When my wife and I first got married, uh, we lived in a, in a small town and we were, because of our jobs were changing, we were moving to a different town. And so we needed to buy a new house. And we had gotten a little ahead of ourselves and we're looking at a new house before we had our, our first one sold. And so to me, this seemed like a really easy process. The reality of it is that the lender that we first worked with had some, some underwriting standards that they expected us because we didn't have an offer on our old house. They wanted us to be able to have the income to make payments on both houses. And we didn't have that, that kind of income. So, so our loan was, was denied at that point. It, it didn't set very well and it, it kind of hurt just a little bit. But the good news is I, I took time to understand why that happened. We were able to find another lender who had different underwriting standards and looked at things a little bit differently. And we were able to achieve what we wanted to. And so the takeaway that I want to share with everybody is just because a lender, whether it be Farm Credit Service America, Frontier Farm Credit, or, or somebody else tells you no, it doesn't mean that what you're doing is a bad idea. It's just the risk profile doesn't fit exactly what, what they're looking at. And, and I've experienced that in my personal life. We've looked at some different opportunities. And so it, it happens frequently. Uh, but that's part of that business negotiation piece. Anything you want to add to that, Jared? Or I would say with any loan application, if things don't go as planned, having that open dialogue with your lender and looking for options and, and advice and counsel. I mean, we're here to partner with you in your operation. That's not to say we're going to say yes every time, but we are here to provide our expertise and ask for feedback. You know, is, is there something I should consider changing or what other options could I look at to hopefully reach that goal of getting a yes at some point? Um, there's a question, Jared, about uh, as being a farmer, do you recommend going through FSA or another agency or trying to use farm credit? I guess I'll, I'll take a stab at that. I would recommend that you look at all of your options. Like I said, in, in my example, every lending institution is going to have different tools, different products, different things that are available to them to be able to help you meet your need. And there's a lot of them that are out there. I would find the one that best fits your needs and that you feel the most comfortable with. Uh, I mentioned earlier our development fund program. We've got some tools and things that are available to help with breeding livestock loans and working capital loans. And there's lots and lots of different tools that we help bridge the gap on. If you remember back to Jared's five C's, we help bridge the gap on uh, some of those uh, capacity things and some of the, the capital things to help make uh, make some exceptions for young and beginning producers to get started. So our tools aren't always the right fit for everybody. But uh, I, I would really encourage you to explore all the options. But, you know, the biggest thing is to go into those being prepared again and, and being very transparent so that there's no surprises for either the lender or the borrower, uh, you know, after we get a loan closed. I guess I, I might add on the, on the FSA and farm credit involvement. 
you know, we partner our, our two businesses together very, very well. And, and one of those main products is that is that young and beginning farmer farm loan, right? You're 50-50 or 50-40 by five. And it's a great opportunity for farm ownership. And yes, having all these records put together is just going to make the process smoother for both lenders. I look back at my career and when I was a financial officer, and that was one of the more rewarding events of my career is helping someone buy their first farm. It's just something that really sticks with you as your lender. It's, it's really exciting. And in, in that case, this customer, he was prepared. He knew his costs. Uh, yes, there are some some obstacles you have to overcome in that process, but don't give up because utilizing that program is really beneficial in growing your operation when you're you're early on in your career. So are there certain benchmarks that young producers should be aiming for when it comes to uh, the financial ratios? And then which ones are, are most important to track? Sure. So our benchmarks vary by industry. Uh, we have benchmarks for your cash grain, for your cow calf, the feedlot, swine, et cetera. Working capital, I would say, is very important as your lender to see that you have that money set aside in your rainy day fund. And the percentage or the ratio I like to use for working capital is 20% of your VFP. So your VFP, if you're following on your income statements, you know, is your gross farm income minus feed and minus purchases for resale to give you truly what that VFP. If it's a cash grain operation, you basically just got to worry about what your gross inventory sales are. But 20% to me equates to a pretty good liquidity position that you can mitigate risk if things don't go to plan. From a net worth or owner's equity perspective, our standard varies again by operation type or industry. 50, 60% and up, if you get leverage, more leverage than that with term debt, there again, that plays on your cash repayment capacity or your margin after debt service, the more debt you have. So by having north of 50, 60% owner's equity, that gives you some long-term staying power, I would say. From your DCR perspective, Justin, I don't know what you what you think, but you know, 1.2 to 1 is kind of our standard going across most of our industries. But you want to see that you have adequate margin at the end of the day. Once you've sold all your inventories, paid all your expenses, made all your debt payments, and provided your family living, there's something at the end that's available if that income or those expenses don't line up just like you planned. You know, Jared, one thing that I always tell people, and this is probably, it's really simple when I say it out loud, but it's really important to understand is, you know, we've got some standards. And if you work with your lending officer, they can kind of share with you, you know, what those are and some hurdles to try to get to in, in your operation. But if you want to go through an expansion mode, if you want to hear yes more frequently, get to those standards on, on a post-close basis or an after-close basis. So, you know, it's, it's not just to get to those standards and then I can buy a farm. It's how do I get above those standards so after I buy my farm, I still meet those standards. That's the biggest thing. So if you want to hear yes, almost 100% of the time, that's the biggest thing to do is, is to get there. Now, it's very difficult, right? I mean, it's really hard in a growing operation to have all of those things come into play. But um, I think it's important to, to know that we don't just judge that bar. As, as Jared talked about, it's very gray. Um, there's, there's pluses and minuses, and each application is unique and we take that all into account. What's the biggest mistake you see young farmers and ranchers making on submitting a loan application? You know, I think uh, for me, I'll, I'll take a quick stab at that one. It's when we're applying for a loan or we're looking to expand, you know, whether it's buy a farm or buy cows or put up a hog barn or whatever that thing is, get so caught up in the excitement 
and the emotion of it all that we don't think through all of the options and don't think through all, all of the things. So it's a little bit um, like I talked about in my two examples. And I know um, in, in my family's operation, my kids are, are doing things and, and my daughter has an FFA project. And it's great to go through and talk with her. She has a, a, she has a cow-calf project. And so as she looks to grow her herd through her FFA project, we have other things that need to happen. So whether it be uh, like I talked about buying a bull or putting in a more fence or doing things like that, you know, just thinking through what's going to be required so that when I achieve that goal, I, I have my needs in place and I'm I kind of prepared for that. So, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is getting caught up in the excitement and the emotion of it all. I would say make sure that you're surrounded by people who can give you good feedback and give you constructive feedback on, hey, here's some other things to think about um, as, as you're looking at that purchase. Anything you want to add, Jared? No, I, I think you nailed it, Dustin. I think to me, the completeness of the information and more specifically the cash flow. You're right. You're getting excited about expanding or venturing out into agriculture and starting your own operation. Just make sure you dot all your I's and cross all your T's. And having that mentor to help you out is huge. Uh, we do see some cases where projections come in and maybe we haven't accounted for all the expenses. And for many of you, it may be the first time doing one. So that's okay. But after giving that, getting that feedback, going back to the drawing board, working with your agronomist or your mentor to make sure you've got all the expenses counted for is really key in, in the success of a starting an operation. Okay, so I want to kind of bring it all together. I hope the information we've shared today has set the stage for what we look at and what you can do to improve your odds of getting a, a yes. I spent a lot of time discussing what we look at. I hope you're better prepared. I just have a few points to wrap things up. The first point being the better records you provide improves your odds of success. So time spent on record keeping is time well spent. This knowledge will help you make way better management decisions and also leads to profitability and in essence, reaching your goals. Your plan and the details around it build credibility with your lender. You know, if you marry your plan and your goals with these objectives that your lenders kind of laid out, it builds a ton of credibility. You, you show up to an appointment, if you've got your balance sheet, you've got your cash flow, and you've thought about potentially a contingency plan, things don't work or have sort of changed this, that you encounter. That brings a ton of credibility and confidence from your lender, which in the end allows flexibility from a lender to the customer. And lastly, Bottom line, a goal without a plan is just a wish. I think this quote is really impactful for all of us, frankly. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate uh, the opportunity today. It's been fun. Jared and I uh, had a chance to, to get together and, and talk about you know the things that we were going to discuss today. And obviously, it, it's much more fun for us to be able to help people expand and grow their operations and say yes. And so anything that we can do uh, to make this process more simple, less uh, hurdles for people to go through, uh, we want to be able to facilitate that. So thanks for spending time with us today. It's been a pleasure to go through this with you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Side by Side Digital, brought to you by Farm Credit Services of America and Frontier Farm Credit. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or post your comments or questions on Facebook and Twitter using the hashtag SXSDigital. For more information or to watch the full webinar and other educational content from our side-by-side -side digital series, visit fcsamerica.com slash SXSDigital. Thanks again for joining us.